Midweek Wednesday edition of Next Up. Hey, everybody. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Paul Ihander on mic number one on the ones and twos. Instagram Hill as we get your sports day moving forward today. And boy, oh boy, do we have plenty to dissect and dig into about last night. All the dubs. If you heard Tuesday's show, we called it all the dubs for the Wolfpack. Six games leading them up to the end of the regular season and propelling themselves into the men's basketball tournament in Washington, D.C. the week of March 12th through the 16th. But they needed all six, right? You had to have all six. It would keep you one out of the double-digit loss column and two, give you the momentum that you were going to take out of that last-second Clemson win thanks to the hands of D.J. Horn. D.J. Horn tried. And to get it out of the way, last night, Syracuse 87-83 over State, D.J. Horn was fouled. He was fouled on the corner shot. That being said, that does not take away from the fact this team was down 15 at half against a hot-shooting Syracuse Orange team, an undersized Syracuse Orange team, of which the... ESPN 2, you news commentators were screaming at some late game mismatches. To the Pack's credit, they fought back and fought back and fought back and tied things up. But when you dig a hole that deep, and my kids like to dig holes in the backyard of my, my house, when you dig holes that deep and you try to fill them back in, eventually a little rain falls and washes out some of that fill. That's what happened late in the game last night against Syracuse at PNC. Corgi races aside, baby races aside, it was an L. There are no good losses this time in the season. At this point in the calendar year, you don't get to have good losses because they all count against you. It was a rough night. It was a emotional up and down, back and forth night. And at the end, yes, Horn got fouled. Was it a tough no call? Yes, it was. Kevin Keats says, I've used DJ Horn's name so much, he should be popping out in front of you wherever you are standing. He was praised by Keats at the end of that one. Um, If you want to talk about the positives, uh, DJ Horn has had an incredible year and probably a great six-game stretch, as good as anybody that I've coached for six games. I thought Ben came in and Ben gave us a great lift and did some good things. I thought... um, uh, obviously, uh, Breon Pass did some good stuff, but you know we got to figure this out because I don't like it, and uh, we'll we'll get better. But we're going to start stacking halves, and we're going to be better at that. And um, I'll I'll accept that as on me because I'm the head coach, and we got we got to have a way better start than we did. They started rough again. Syracuse shooting lights out. I mean, you couldn't do much about Chris Bell in that first half. They just kept feeding him, and, and he was it was him fifteen to. 15-8 to eight at a certain point, even though D.J. Horn was, again, trying to fill buckets and doing his best. Like, he's come in and he's done his job. You do 32 against Syracuse, you're doing your job. You're playing against a decent backcourt, but again, an undersized team. And a team that shot themselves into a big lead that you just couldn't quite overcome. Again, a rocky, emotional night. But I will come back to the no-good losses. At this point in the season, when we called it all the dubs and getting all six, They couldn't get all six. And now the way you make the postseason, that's not the three-letter postseason. You're talking about the madness, not the NIT. 
The NIT is partial madness, but that's not where you want to be, even though it would be fun to have games at Reynolds. You've now got to run the table, a complete run of the table. Five in a row, that means wins against Duke and Carolina and Pitt. That means running the table starting on Wednesday, starting on Wednesday, and four more games. So now you've got to win nine in a row because the only way to get in, to take yourself out of that, because yesterday you were in the last in, first out conversation. That's not a bad place to be at this at this point, considering how the season has gone and how the front end of the schedule was loaded up against you know the Girl Scouts and the the colleges of trades. It is now put up or shut up. No more L's. L's take you out of that conversation. And for Kevin Keats, I will give him full credit. It's on him. Coaching is on him. He's saying the players are playing. We're doing what we can. We 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 fought back to where we need to fight back. But now he's talking about himself, and I think he's hearing footsteps, and not the good kind of footsteps, which is unfortunate because you start talking about success and apples to apples, oranges to oranges, and no pun intended with Syracuse, who you know played undermanned, played short, and they're making their run. You are now the sixth seed in the tournament. No good losses, Insta. Yeah, unfortunately, and just to play a little bit of devil's advocate, what you mentioned how now it's a must-win for nine games, including the games you're going to play in the ACC tournament. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but tell me, Paul, when you've ever heard the phrase, NC State can do this, NC State can do blank, as long as they just went out. In any sport, work out for them. I feel like we went through this conversation when they went through that three-game home stretch where they had Miami at home, Georgia Tech at home, Pittsburgh at home. You can go back and listen to the Pat Therapy podcast, which Tim Dolly and I do. We said that was just your – that three-game stretch was your buyback in games to get back into the NCAA tournament conversation. They lost at Pittsburgh. Or they lost to Pittsburgh at home, excuse me. Then it became, well, when they go to Wake Forest, that's going to begin the must-win game stretch. They lost that game. They got back. They got the hopes back against Clemson just a little bit. But after last night, I, I don't I don't know. We've been saying that these games are must win. I gotta hold myself accountable. I just I don't think NC State makes the NCAA tournament this year. As as unfortunate as it is to say out loud, I I just don't see it happen realistically. It's nine in a row and you fall into that tiers with the fifteen teams in the ACC insta uh, uh, Graham Hill voice you just heard. Paul Ihander here next up on ninety nine nine the fan. There are now tiers in the ACC of the top five because last night Wake remain undefeated at home, taking out a very hot Pitt team. So Wake is now in the four slot. Pitt is in the five. So Duke, Carolina, Virginia, Wake, and Pitt. Legitimately those five, there are three legitimate teams, the other two on the bubble. That's tier one. Everyone else now is in the tier two of the league. You have to win the conference tournament. That's the only way you get in at this point. Yep. So you've got to make the run. To make the run means you got to get hot now. Very few teams get hot day one of the tournament. That is just like slog ball. And I want to say for those of those of you out there who are going, man, we've just been leaning on DJ Horn all for the last several games. There is a lot of truth in that statement. But what you can take away from positives in that, DJ Horn is not out there playing hero ball. And there's a big difference between hero ball and being the guy that you were brought in to do, which is shoot and score and kind of take over, but take over to a certain extent to where 
Horton wasn't pulling up at 35 with 24 seconds on the shot clock going, yeah, I better hit this three to close the gap even more to, to 12 or to 9 or whatever it is. He found ways to get shots. They found ways to get him shots. 15 points at halftime. It's not an impossible hole to dig out of. It is college basketball. We have a three-point line. Teams get streaky and hot. But when teams tend to stay hot, they still stay hot. And Syracuse executed. They made the plays that they needed to make. Defensively, the key plays that they needed. They got good scoring off the bench from Copeland. Bell, again, was on fire, and their backcourt was about as solid as they're going to be. They also didn't miss any free throws. Yeah. I'm like, they're 18 of 19 from the free throw line. And that's something that's been kind of a struggle for NC State all season. And they weren't even that bad either. But you dig the big hole, you get the play from the guy that you get that you want play from, and then you wonder, it's like, Casey Marcel had four points last night and played 32 minutes. That is the ultimate Bruce Bowen line. If you don't know Bruce Bowen, Bruce Bowen was a small forward in the NBA, played many, many, many years, uh, was a defensive guy. And when you got points out of him, it was usually three-pointers, and he shot at a high percentage. And he played a ton of minutes. Morcel played a ton of minutes last night. But the results weren't there. You need more result from that kind of a position playing that kind of minutes. Well, Paul, I just want to go back real, real quickly to what you mentioned about DJ Horn not playing hero ball last night. NC State got contribution from other guys outside of DJ Horn. Now, granted, it wasn't 32-point performances, but... DJ Burns, Ben Middlebrooks, Jaden Taylor each finished in double figures as well, with Burns and Middlebrooks contributing 12 points apiece, while Taylor added 10 of his own. Any other NC State game, just that minimum of contribution from those guys wins them the game. The difference is, again, they found themselves trailing by 15. They allowed uh, Bell to score 26 points, and they allowed Syracuse to score 55 points in the first half. They had two guys, 25-plus, Bell and Copeland, Backcourt turned into solid effort, which is what they normally do. They put a 55 in the first half. There's nothing you can do about that. And, again, the pack tried and tried and tried. But I feel right now, instead, we are trying to grasp at silver linings, of which there are no more silver linings. If you, can, if you could be honest with yourself, this morning, after last night, you rode the roller coaster, you got here, and here's where you're at. 16-10 and 10 overall, 8-7 and 7 in the conference. You are the sixth seed right now. And the road doesn't get any easier. It's why Clemson keeps getting talked about being like an automatic bid, like at the fourth bid out of the ACC. It's not because Clemson's this great, overwhelming team. You look at the loss of the pack, and that loss of the pack now looks even worse now that Syracuse has knocked them off. But the road to the end for Clemson is a much simpler road. They're only playing one ranked team outside of that. Everybody else are teams that they should beat, just shoot out of the gymnasium. Not the same for State. Nine in a row now. That is a tough, tough haul. A tough, tough haul. I'm Graham Hill with three things you need to know right now from 999 The Fan. The Wolfpack's comeback falls short at home against Syracuse in an 87-83 loss. The positive... DJ Horn finished the even with a season-high 32 points. The grad guard has scored 20 more points in six consecutive games. The field for the 12-team college football playoff beginning next season will comprise five conference champions and seven at-large selections after the university presidents who oversee the CFB voted unanimously Tuesday to tweet the format. The Canes Corner Radio Show presented by Stormbrew is tonight at 7 p.m. live from Backyard Bistro. 
Jordan Martinuk will join host Mike Meniscalco. You can listen right here on 999 The Fan or watch live on WRIO Sports Plus. Find these stories and more on WRIOSportsFan.com. Next up, we preview number nine Duke versus Miami. Thanks for streaming us. Check us out on YouTube, 99.9 The Fan. Or, if you missed any portion of the show, we have some Charlotte FC preview. For those of you who are into soccer, MLS opening weekend coming up, we'll talk to someone from Charlotte FC, someone, the chief fan officer. His name is Sean. He'll be coming on in about 14 minutes as MLS opens up play. Actually, tonight, regular season begins tonight. Charlotte opens up on Saturday at home. Uh, You can also, again, as I mentioned, find us on the podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Trying to grow the community here where you are live and local. Don't have to wait until later today to get what you need right now from yesterday and upcoming tonight where the Duke Blue Devils will take on the Miami Hurricanes. Miami, the other Canes, not the successful Canes (laughs) because this basketball version of the Canes have lost four in a row and they're getting out-rebounded. So as I mentioned, the secret sauce, I'm not sure if it's really secret sauce Insta when you talk about Duke and Miami, the Duke being at the top of the Atlantic Coast Conference, the two seed so far, just a half a game out from Carolina, and Miami, who will be playing on Tuesday of the ACC tournament right now, the way things are going, how far this team has come from last year's meeting. These two teams met, if you might remember, in the ACC Conference semifinals which Duke was figuring itself out. Miami was actually the higher-ranked team going into that game, and Duke knocked him out by seven. So there's no, like, bad taste, revenge, kind of like, oh, man, they throttled us last time we hooked up kind of thing. This is just straight-up ball. And Duke, for them to make the Carolina-Duke game, and the same will go for Carolina, but I'll say it here today, for Duke to make the Carolina-Duke matchup in uh, two weeks, I guess, wow, two and a half weeks, for the regular season championship just outright, they need to get these wins. This is one of those wins that makes a lot of sense. The line, not even close when it comes to the betting line, so that's not really important. But the secret sauce really comes down to what Coach John Shire believes needs to be always part of the game plan. And those are his two guys that he leans on a ton, Flip and Roach. Jeremy and Flip, no matter who's going off or what's happening, they're going to be... They're going to be right there on a huge part of our game plan to get them going on offense. And credit Florida State with how they played on defense. You know, I don't know if that's the worst assisted turnover ratio we've had the whole year. It feels like it to me in the moment. You know, to have 17 turnovers for them to have 21 points off of turnovers, but that's what they do. You just you have to play stronger. You know, in the paint, you have to have poise. Uh, but no, I mean we're scoring. It doesn't matter if it's Jared. It doesn't matter if it's whoever and look Jeremy ended up with 17 and 4 still but uh I thought I thought we left some on the table there with some of the finish so that's it's that's Shire after the game against Florida State where they won it, it clearly how this team rolls is through Roach with his veteran hand and flip in the middle who I've said just feed him the ball didn't quite work out against Florida State but you know they they had to get their th- again it was Jared McCain's night against Florida State let's yeah. let's call it what it was uh but those three guys are going to be logging a ton of a ton of more minutes your two leaders right now when it comes to minutes played are Roach and Flip. And they're also your top two guys when it comes to output, scoring, rebounding, even to a certain extent, 
just field goal three. I mean, statistically, these are your two guys that need to carry the weight. They just have to. Complimentary guys, McCain, Mitchell, Proctor. We've seen that change a little bit with Mark Mitchell's play as of late, focusing on that outside shot, which you know kind of looks like this flat arc kind of uh, Clyde. If you know Clyde Drexler at all uh, from NBA days, Hall of Famer. He used to shoot kind of like this overhand flip shot, but it was flat as a pancake. Like, but it's because Clyde could jump. Like he could get up above everybody. And it's almost like he threw it into the net. Uh, that's Mitchell's flow. But Flip and Roach, they get things going. Tonight's kick tonight's cakewalk and your rebound. I mean, this is this is one of those kind of basic kind of nights, right? You you rebound, you turn things, you you make things uh, happen in the insides out-rebound them and whatnot, just clean up the mistakes. Shire mentioned clean up the mistakes, right? The turnovers and whatnot. And it's still unclear if Tyrese Proctor is going to play tonight, who's been dealing with that concussion, which left them out against Florida State. Yeah, you mentioned rebound is going to be a big point of emphasis for Duke against Florida State tonight. And I'm glad you mentioned the turnovers, as did John Shire in that soundbite we just heard. Uh, Tyrese Proctor, as you mentioned, his absence was felt at Florida State as Duke finished with a season-high 17 turnovers. 17 turnovers. Tyrese Proctor is usually the guy that's protecting the basketball for Duke. And, you know, Proctor's concussion could keep him out, as you mentioned, against Miami. But the Blue Devils have to clean up that category. Duke only had three games last season with 20 or more turnovers, including 21 in that 81-59 to loss at Miami last season. So the simple sauce, right? Secret sauce? Not so secret. Get Get it to the guys that you trust. Lean on them a little bit harder. And then start rolling. And this is where, again, we want, we hope that we get that ultimate matchup at the end of the season, Carolina and Duke, for the regular season championship. Forget the conference championship. That's great. These two teams are going seeding. This will be the one that that the memories will be made. That is the one that they will be telling stories about later on down the line. I was just going to say, if Kyle Filipowski and Jeremy Roach are the secret sauce for Duke, does that make Jerry McCain the patty? Does that make him the whopper? Well, you have to have some substance, right? Perhaps he find he is the substance. You have to have condiments, right? But again, flip again. It's the secret sauce, but not so secret. Also tonight, ACC Notre Dame Louisville. Just to get you caught up, Clemson, the team that Joe Lunardi put in the field, and other bracketology people, bracket makers put in the field. They're at Georgia. They're taking on Georgia Tech tonight in Atlanta. So those are the three ACC contests tonight. Paul Lyander here, Instagram Hill. Next up here on ninety nine nine, the fan. Thanks for hanging out with us. The college football playoff power brokers, which basically means the conference commissioners all got together in Dallas on Tuesday, and they have voted with the blessing of the remaining two teams in the Pac-12, with the blessing for the 5-7 model coming up this year in the fall. So what they're going to do is they're going to tear up a lot of those prearranged bowl agreements. They're close to doing that, where like the Rose Bowl, for example, would always get the Big Ten and the Pac-12 Pac-10 champion. The Sugar Bowl would traditionally get an SEC team where these bowls now would serve as the 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 jumping off points to get us into this 12-team playoff. And they adopted the 5-7 model. Basically the five top conference champions, which means the four still kind of group of uh, big, big four power conferences, SEC, Big 12, ACC, and Big 10, and then the top group of five, which recently has been the AAC. Usually it's like a Cincinnati or whatnot. Conference USA, obviously, Mountain West, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Five and seven. 
Some conferences kind of go, I'm not kind of great about it. I mean, the Pac-12 obviously is dissolved. There's only two teams left, so they didn't do so well in this one. But the ACC benefits from this greatly because now you're talking about the highest-ranked team out of the conference, which is going to I mean, out of the out of the top five conferences, which guarantees you're going to get one of those. But now it means the second team, the team that plays in the ACC championship game, opposite whoever wins that game, will most likely be in the CFP, which means now you're opening up the field. It's kind of like when baseball opened up the wild card. It's when the NFL opened up beyond just division champions and asked for wild cards. It's the same bit. So last year, Florida State, we could have avoided all this belly aching if this had been in last year's position because then you'd have Florida State and then you would have, I'm guessing it would have been um, Clemson, even State with the 10 win, uh, the try for the 10 win. Someone else would have been in that role, and I think everybody has been anticipating that with the movement in the transfer portal, with the signing of new athletes, with transfers, with guys staying with their teams, knowing that, now, to play for a college football national championship means the field just got a bit bigger. And the ACC will benefit from that greatly. And the conference championship games will now mean a little bit more with the Power Four conferences across the board, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, and SEC. Playing field leveled out just a teeny bit, not, not a ton. I still expect six SEC teams in the college football playoff. Let's just call that baby ugly right now. But ACC now... Two. And that benefits everybody, including us here in the Triangle.